Good morning, everyone. This is Shelley Wrench with Gabriel Cancer Center, along with Dr. Nash Gabriel of Gabriel Cancer Center, uh, with another episode of Good Medicine is Cheaper Medicine. Um, today, we were uh, wanting to discuss um, dispenses written, meaning that uh, there's brand name versus generics, and now a new style of brand versus generics in the bio biologic agents. And wanted to just talk about how those play a role in healthcare and healthcare costs. Yeah, before we start, Shelley, um, can you just remind the, 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 the listeners that the, the programs are all archived with WHBC and on our website, am I right? On our website. Not WHBC? Right. Yeah, so people can go back and listen to previous programs if they want to, right? Um, yeah, this is, um, I think, it's going to be very useful um, and very informative session for the audience, for the listeners. Uh, the value of generic drugs compared to brand. the brand names. Mm-hmm. Um, before we say anything, um, I, I really want everybody to know that I am no way or shape an enemy of drug companies. Actually, no, I'm a good friend with drug companies. In fact, I am a consultant to several of them. I give uh, lectures to, on behalf of about five, six of them. <clears throat> um, Believe it or not, uh, more than, uh, I shouldn't say more than 99%. 100% of the drugs discovered are discovered by drug companies. The Right? Right. And, you know, I'm the, I'm the same way with, as, as you. You know, I'm yeah. in the same boat. I help yeah. new pharmaceutical companies launch their new drugs and help them get it on the, the path to the right but side. And the fact is we love patients more than we like drug companies. I think so. Right. And in fact, one day in the future, we'll talk about our uh, our program, the on-site clinics, that we have primary care clinics at the factories, where one of the pillars of the of the program and one of the main reasons why it succeeds so well is the the, the preferential use of generic drugs. I, I want to just make one statement, and that is probably Shelley, you notice the same thing. <clears throat> the most common comment. I hear from patients or the public about generic drugs is that they are not as good as the brand name. <clears throat> I hear that too. Yeah. I tell you what, it's almost like a ploy. Um, and to be honest with you, I don't think, well, maybe drug companies are part, partially behind it. Um, but regardless who's doing this, there is definitely economic reasons and economic, economic uh, incentives for whoever it is who propagates the idea that generic drugs are not as good as a brand name. Well, you just brought up um, uh, an instance that happened at one of the on-site clinics. First day that we opened one of these clinics, um, there was a young couple that came in and there was... um, the, the 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 woman was getting her medications filled at the onsite clinic, and it was the her boyfriend noticed it was all generics, and he said, "Well, you aren't going to carry any of the brand names." And we said, "You know, we're pretty pretty much primarily on the generics only." Why? And he said, "Well, you know, my dad always says you can't have any generic drugs; they're just not the same." And I said, "So what does your dad do? <laughs> He's a pharmaceutical sales rep." Oh, okay. Now, I remember that story. That, that makes sense. <clears throat> um, 
But for the regardless about who is doing it, our job is more to educate the public, the patients, because we love them more than we drug companies, right? <clears throat> about what is generic drug. People need to know simple fact: a generic drug is the same drug that, like the brand the brand name drug. Right, it's an exact recipe. It's exact recipe, the, the same chemical structure, the same concentration, the same, the same, the same. The only difference is <clears throat> that you and I cannot come up with a generic drug until the patent life of the brand name expires. And there's patent laws in the U.S. because we have to protect those patent laws. Otherwise, nobody will be interested in discovering things and have everybody else carbo, uh, you know, uh, carbo copy carbo, them. Or, yeah, right away. They have or, to have their due time to be able right. to make... And usually that's for drug companies. Usually that's somewhere between 15 to 25 years. depends on so many factors. Um, so, but as soon as the drug becomes big, as soon as the patent, the patent life expires, then people will simply... Because to make the generic drug is to know the chemical formula of the agent, everybody does. <clears throat> and number two is to have the right to manufacture, to produce that drug. And producing those drugs is not, is not, is not that difficult. Well, and the reason that the generics actually come out at such a much lower cost is because they don't have to go through all of the um, steps in order to show efficacy and everything else. They just have to show that they're, that they're able to produce the exact same drug. What a good point. So that's why, you know, you have the brand name. That right. When the generic comes out, it's probably about 20%. Well, it's a little bit closer in margin now, but like a 20%, you know, even of less, the cost. Even less. It's 80% but off. There, it's, it's even less. <clears throat> I mean, it depends. There are, like when we, when we deal with chemotherapy drugs, you might be right. It's about 15, 20% the average when you compare to the brand name. But when you talk about aspirin, when you talk about... Uh, Prilosic, Nexium, is more like 5%. I mean, when, when, when you talk about these PPIs for, for heartburn and GERD and all that, the difference uh, and the statins, the difference between the generic and the brand name is more like 1 to 40, 1 to 30. And it always ma- amazes me, too, when I, when I see the, the new pricing that comes out. You know, all of a sudden you, you have Nexium, right? And then it goes off patent, and, and we have the generic comes out. All of a sudden, that Nexium wasn't quite so pricey. They did drop it, of course. They had to not, compete. Exactly. They had to compete. And there's the been generic. there's been a couple of times when I'll ne- I'll never forget when when um, one of the chemotherapy agents came out as a generic, and the the sales rep for the vendor said, "Why are you still buying the brand?" And I thought, I can't be that stupid to you know do that. But whenever I go to order, I always put it in order of pricing. That was a very intelligent pharmaceutical company because as soon as the generic came out, they dropped the brand pricing to two cents less than the generic. That was Nipent. Yes. Old drug, Nipent. Yes. Um, back to the subject, though. <clears throat> um, the public need to know that, number one, as you were mentioning, Shelley, when, when a drug is being developed, the average, in fact, President Trump mentioned this in his speech just the day before he goes to Switzerland, he reaffirmed what we know, that the average takes about 11 to 12 years to develop a drug from scratch to the pharmacy shelf. And he was saying, this is unsustainable, it's not right, 
and he, the president is basically bl- blaming <coughs> the uh, bureaucracy. I agree with him. Uh, the regulations totally agree with him because, you know, that's my part of my 50% of my job is developing new drugs. And I tell you what, we get drowned every day with the rules and regulations. I, on average, sign an initial 400 documents a day. <coughs> And most of the time, they are in lines that are three, four millimeters thick, which means there is nobody, there is no way anybody on earth can actually verify that that's indeed my signature. But it's all bureaucracy. And the president actually said, he said, they're working, they have a team working to, to try to, to shrink that 11 year spread into, into two or three years. Just imagine what will happen with that. When it takes 11 years to develop, the average cost is $2.5 billion to develop a drug. And again, in his words, the president said, and imagine if the drug doesn't work. You wasted all that money, and you start from scratch to develop another new drug. So it's a very expensive process. And that's why we do need the patent life. I can imagine if, if indeed... The president and his team are successful, and there are ways you can shrink it. I'm not sure to two years, but maybe three or four years. We will have the justification as a society to shrink the patent life from 20 years to 10. If we demonstrate that the cost of developing a drug is no more $2.3 billion, it's more like $1 billion, then uh, the, 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 that's the only way we can control the cost. Right. And once you do that, genetics will be will come to the market quicker. Well, think about it. The, the, the staff that you're paying for over, you know, 15 years life and shrink it down to two, just the staff cost alone, the, the, the employees of that company is going to be saved. It's not like they're going to work that much more during a day, right? Right. It's that <clears throat> many years that you're not paying for those staff. Actually, believe working. me, you know what? Currently, uh, at our cancer center, we are developing 54 anti-cancer drugs. And I tell you what, most of the time we spend is compliance with some redundant, archaic uh, rules and regulations that you read them and said, why on earth do you have these rules? So it was easy for the president to demolish half of the rules, bunch of, about half of the paperwork for the rules of regulation because really they are redundant. And imagine how, how much impact that will have, not only on the economy, because you're right, even my overhead, our overhead for the development of the drug will, will, will be lower because most of the work we do is to comply with rules. Right. Right? And not, not only that, you cut the time to develop the drug, you cut the cost to develop a drug, and you can tell the drug company, hey, listen, we like you, maybe we love you sometimes, but... We will give you shorter patent life. And just imagine, based on what we said, the difference in the cost between generic versus brand name is like 40 to 1, right. 30 to 1. So if a drug like statins, you know the story, right? Like statins, if it's 400, we actually get them as low as $10. Now, I think that's one of the problems why... Because the difference between the generic and brand name is so big, it's one of those things. It can't be, can't be true. It can be true. <laughs> that is too good to be true. Right. Fact is, right. it actually is true. Just to remind, remind people, this is, the U.S. government is loaded with rules and regulations. The, the FDA also does that. So when you develop a new drug, 
the FDA is breathing on your neck to make sure that the chemical safety in animals, safety in rats, safety in dogs, safety in the humans that you don't like, and then safety in the humans that you like. It goes on and on and on. When you develop the generic, all that work has been done. All you, all you prove to the government is you take uh, 10 patients, clinical trial of 20 patients, how to give them generic and how to give them the, the proposed generic and how to give them brand name, and draw blood and see the blood levels. Just make, and that's what the FDA wants. All that takes about two or three weeks. So the cost to develop the generic is so low, right? Which, which means the, the cost at the pharmacy should also be very low. And it is, except sometimes they, people play games. Uh, yeah, there's too many hands in that pot. <clears throat> there's, I guess, too many hands. Exactly. So some people, they do play games. But bottom line is... You do get um, you do get the same drug, despite what you hear. The question is, why are people still spreading these rumors that generic is not as good as brand name? There's a lot of pharmaceutical reps, his fathers out there, I guess. <laughs> but the other thing that that's you know uh, some of the things that you brought to the forefront of my mind. The pharmaceutical companies that doing this. Who do you think? I am more mischievous. I think the pharmacies are behind this. Think about this, shall I? Just for us, in our cancer center, when we give a generic chemo drug, our profit is much less than when you give a brand name. Same with the pharmacies. Give exa- I mean, take example. When you get the status, let us say, Shelley, you know how, many, how, how Medicare is. Currently, what does Medicare do when when they reimburse oncologists, they give us 3.8% margin, right? Supposedly. Supposedly, 4% margin. Meaning, if the drug costs $100, we profit $4. If the drug costs $1,000, we profit $40. Sick, isn't it? Because it's, it's a percentage of the cost. And so there's already a built-in incentive in the system, thanks to Uncle Sam, CMS, Central Medical Medical Services, that actually discourage conscientious, good doctors and good practices, discourage them from using less expensive drugs. In fact, you are the one who buy drugs for our cancer center. And you tell me often that sometimes there are generic drugs that we actually lose money with them. Right. Like, we pay $100, we get paid 95 Correct. Right. And I'm thinking, too, at the pharmacy level, um, I, you know, it could be contracting issues as well. I think that there, there might be some promises made between the, the pharma companies and the pharmacists. I don't know where it's coming from, but it's even being more accentuated now with the, the biosimilars coming out. And I think it's interesting that, and I think people should understand what biosimilars are. Um, biosimilars is actually a generic version of a reference product where the reference product is actually a biologic agent. So there's no exact... Shelley, you just sounded like somebody standing in the podium talking to a bunch of businessmen. <laughs> yeah. So to, so to bring it down... Bring it down lower, yeah. Yeah, bring it down. Basically, because the, the, the agent is... The, 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 the medication is made from either plants or animals... From lot to lot, there's going to be a little bit of variation. There's no way that the same plant can reproduce at the same 
the same way every single time, the same thing as animals. So there's going to be a little bit of variation. So when the patent life goes off on the biologic agent, then the biosimilar is created just to show that they are just as um, the same variants as the reference product. And, and to your point, the FDA, when this idea of the biosimilars came up, and again, to the audience, not to repeat, generally speaking, most drugs that we have are chemically synthesized in the lab. It's very easy for the chemist to make them. It's very easy to another chemist to verify the potency and the concentration of the drugs because they are simple chemicals. Now, that doesn't apply to the drugs that Shelley is talking about. The bi- when we say biosimilars, these are the generic forms for drugs that are produced in living organisms. I'll give you an example. You guys, maybe you, don't, or you, you know or you don't know, <clears throat> but insulin used to be extracted from human blood, more often from, uh, uh, I believe, uh, fish blood, until the, the, until the concept of, of DNA, uh, what do you call it, when, 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 when you do, when, when, you, when, you, when you have the ability to manipulate the DNA and insert genes in the, in, in the DNA. Right. <clears throat> once that once that technology developed, what people did was then you identify the gene in the humans that is responsible for making insulin. We call it the the technology I was talking about was recombinant DNA, DNA technology. So now we have identified the genes for a lot of things. Again, scientists, and thanks to those scientists, mostly mostly employed. Uh, by drug companies. They go and slice that gene. Believe me, slice is easy as if you're holding a knife and cutting it. It's a more difficult than that, but they use special enzymes. They slice that gene and then they take it and insert it into bacteria. It enters into the bacteria or a fungus, a mold. The bacteria and the mold, why do they choose them? Because they grow super fast. The bacteria <coughs> doubles in number every 30 minutes. Imagine we humans, takes nine months for a pregnancy, right? So, so when, because the bacteria divides so quickly, or the fungus also, once they divide, they duplicate that DNA extracted from the human cell that makes insulin, right? You, and, and that DNA, once it's inside the bacteria, it produces insulin because it's programmed to produce insulin. All of a sudden, you grow bacteria in a dish, and the dish in a few days is flooded with insulin. Then you extract that insulin, and you package it. So what you're saying, what you're basically getting down to is each, each batch is going to be, each lot is going to be a right. little bit different. So we say the bacteria divide every 30 minutes. Really, how about 29 minutes? How about 31? Now, that difference of 20 minus or 28, that can make a difference in how much insulin is produced. The FDA requires that these biological agents, which are produced in living things, their concentration, the FDA realized that you cannot be exactly 100% accurate every single time. And what I'm noticing, and in a lot of the new, um, the new biosimilars that are coming out, I just saw an article last week that one of the biosimilars for a reference product actually shows less injection site reactions 
And they are actually the the, the first biosimilar came out, uh, Zarzio. When they did their their um, lots, they showed less variation than their reference product. Right. So because that reference product product was actually started created 15 years ago, actually the processes of making manufacturing these these medications is better than it was 15 years ago. So there, these biosimilars are actually showing to be even better than the reference products. And it really disheartens me, like in our center, you know, we have uh, a lot of Remicade patients. And the biosimilar came out to Remicade about six months ago. And so I was talking and educating to our patients, because we're not the ones ordering, to go back to their physicians and say, do you realize that there's now no, Remicade is a drug used for rheumatoid arthritis. Right. So we're just and, infusion. And we infuse it there because hospitals refuse to infuse it. So I'm a doctor, I'm a rheumatologist, and I want to give Remicade to a patient. I call the hospital. Hospital says, we, we, we don't want to do it because the profit margin is not there. That's how it started. And now, actually, the payers are, are incentivizing the patients to uh, come in. The insurance in. companies are becoming smart now because yes. they are discovering that when Remicade is given through our center, it's much cheaper than when given through the it's hospital. The cost. Because we don't charge arm and leg for the facility. The drug is the same. But the hospitals get paid more by the insurance for the same drug and also for... So an insurer discovered, they said, no, 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 we cannot do that. So they encouraging patients and even they incentivize patients to seek another patient. It's kind of diversion we have from the subject, but I think it's important for... What we do with these talks, Shelley, I think it's important for, for that, that we let go of ideas that we feel that the public is not aware of. And you know what? When I talk to patients... Families, businessmen, businesswomen. I I used to be critical of, that, of them that they don't know as much as we know about healthcare. But you know what? I'm cooling down now because I don't blame them. There is so much complexity. Just like the simple remicade we were mentioning, this is a very uh, a very innovative thing that 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 people like us did, and the insurance followed through. Uh, why why would you pay twice as much? For, um, for just the facility, the place of service. And now there, there's many payers that are making the biosimilars as a preferred. They won't even pay for the, the Remicade. Right. So, um, I'm glad you, you mentioned, you, you brought the subject of the <clears throat> biosimilars because uh, to most people it's a Latin, <clears throat> right? But we try to explain it as an introduction because uh, four or five years. Now, patients who are already receiving biological agents. Like, if there's a patient who's taking Remicade or Humira or um, or other drugs, they by now, many of them, or some of them, do know the availability of biosimilars. Uh, of course, we encourage them to do their due diligence because we have stumbled on some physicians <coughs> who insist that the patient should get the brand name. And while talking about this, Shay, let's go back to the, the, the challenges that sometimes patients face when it comes to generic ordered versus dispensed as written. Tell us more about this. Well, keeping with the, the Remicade, and um, when I educate the patient about, as I was just talking about, how it's where it comes from, how it's developed, and that type of thing, and they go back to their physician and try to tell their ordering physician that I'm okay with this biosimilar, 
the physician, the ordering physician actually scare the patients. Oh, but you would end up in the hospital. You don't want to try something else. Based they, on what? Based on no knowledge. They have... Oh, or based on um, the last drug rep that they saw in the office? Or what they... I don't know if they're not okay. keeping it. So let's go into the more common scenario. Generic drugs. Forget about biosimilars. Okay. That's a complex subject. It's a very unique subject for those who have unique diseases. And we'll be more than happy to educate them one-on-one, or they can do, do, do their due diligence. The Internet is cheap. Actually, it's free. But I'm talking about the, the, brand, the generic uh, prescriptions. The current uh, f- uh, policy is when I write a prescription to a patient, if I, don't, if I write um, dispense as written, the patients cannot ask for a generic. Correct. If I write just name of the drug without saying anything, the patient has to ask for generic, right? Well, I think that I, they don't have to ask. I don't think they know to ask. They just give a, the, script, the script to the pharmacist, and I think the pharmacist is the one that's deciding which way they're going to go. Um, and Do you think the problem I mentioned for our center, for instance, that there is a built-in incentive to dispense more expensive drugs because they're more profitable. Do you think that's a problem with pharmacies? Oh, I know that's a problem with pharmacies. Patients don't know, though. They don't know. And there's so many, but they're, they're, they're becoming much more aware because I've talked to so many people, and they say, I've learned to say, okay, I don't have insurance. What is my cost? And go outside of the insurance. Sometimes, and Nine times out of ten when I talk to patients about that, they say, why is it cheaper if I don't use my insurance? So I have to tell them, you know, the insurance already has a fee schedule in line, but that's even higher than what the cost of the drug is. So to pay for the the drug itself is much cheaper than going to the... Yeah, it makes you wonder, who is actually protecting the patients? Who is actually looking... No one looks out for you other than you. Except... Now there is a move by employ. There's more people now who inquire, by the way, mm-hmm. right? It's, it's a minor, small minority, but it's happening. Employers also are becoming more proactive uh, because they are realizing that there is too many, um, too many hands in the in this in this uh, kitchen, right? And and each one's grabbing one piece because we're discovering now that for a drug, for the drug from the manufacturing factory to the patient, uh, probably the cost doubles or triples because of the middlemen involved. All the middlemen. All the middlemen. And, that's and, and why people that's, have become more aware of it. That's, it's, that's why, you know, the Liberty Pharmacy, um, that's where we are cutting out all the middlemen and making sure that if we see a script that comes in dispenses written and we know that there's other alternatives out there at a lower cost, we'll actually ask. The ordering physician, if there is a way that we can um, have the patient go from the brand to the generic, if if there is something you know else on the market that's a generic version of it. All right, Shelley, it's been a nice discussion. I think we're about the end of the program. This is the good medicine is cheaper medicine, and we mean by that, we mean it. Uh, I'm Ash Gabriel from the Gabriel Cancer Center with me is uh, uh, Shelley Wrench. She's the administrator for the uh, cancer center. Again, you can access uh, the archives on uh, our website, GabrielCancerCenter.com. Thank you.